Welcome to The Crow's Nest, the podcast to nestle up and listen to anytime, anywhere. Today, for the first ever podcast, I will be discussing the culture shock of leaving America for the first time, as well as coming back. I would also like to give a disclaimer that most of this is based in personal experience and is anecdotal. Uh, Any research facts I use will, in fact, be cited with their exact sources. Uh, Just a little disclaimer going forth for the entire podcast. So the biggest question that I always get is, how is a then 21-year-old able to afford to move to Japan? I was blessed and cursed to have been serving in the U.S. Navy, so I had all of my room and board paid for, my move costs, all of that. Um, However, that will all be discussed in a separate episode, (laughs) possibly a couple Upon my arrival in Japan, I didn't have the ability to go out in town immediately. I had to wait approximately three or four days. However, once I did make my way out in town, I was hit with a large overall sense of culture shock. The very first thing I noticed was that efficiency was much more important there than anywhere in the U.S. I had ever traveled. I would go as far as to say that it felt like efficiency was an important part of workplace professionalism. The first thing I experienced that led me to this conclusion was my cab ride to a Japanese chain called Kokoichi Banya. It is something that all service members stationed in mainland Japan are very familiar with. So much so that we all affectionately call it Coco's Curry. Incorrectly, I might add, but I digress. So the cab ride was very different than what I was used to in the States. You see, in the States, you normally don't drive around in cabs anymore. You get an Uber. Even in the cities where Ubers aren't allowed or Lyfts aren't allowed or ride-sharing services aren't allowed, you get into a cab, and it's a very awkward intense situation when i got into this cab in japan i was met with really pleasant smells nice colored signs there was a tablet in the back playing japanese tv on the tablet itself and then the radio was going with some light japanese music the driver was very friendly he spoke a little bit of english and was very happy to see us it was completely different than what i was expecting now efficiency wise he was able to take us from base to coco's and about 12 minutes flat and when we had googled it it said it was about a 20 minute drive with traffic 15 minute drive without and it's not that he sped or anything like that He knew the routes that he needed to take. He knew what lights were going to be green when we didn't hit a single red light. So he was more efficient because he had memorized the streets and the street patterns and all the traffic patterns to the point that he could cut out three to eight minutes of this ride just to get us to Coco's. So that same night after uh, finishing our meal at Coco's, 
we decided to explore downtown Iwakuni. Uh, that was the town I was stationed in and found a lot of cool places. The only problem was the time of night that it was and the day of week it was, everything was closed. Walking downtown Iwakuni was very surreal because there was maybe technically four or five things actually open. They were all restaurants or convenience stores uh, called combinis out there, but they were not spread very far apart. Like a convenie was on every other street corner, roughly. And in between that was a bunch of shops that were closed. Now, those of us who were born and raised mostly in the southern portion of the United States would feel like this is normal. We grew up mostly in towns like this that everything closed slightly before or just a bit after sundown. So you weren't going out and seeing storefronts opening, things like that. You might see a Walmart. You'll see a couple of gas stations open for passers through and travelers, but never anything normal, storefronts, things like that. This was pretty interesting to see in Japan, as I was taught through the media, especially popular media, that it was much more like New York City, where it never slept, constantly packed with movement. Tokyo would later prove me that that was kind of the lifestyle there. However, I was unaware that Iwakuni was just a major rural city. It's not a massive major city. The next major city to it is actually Hiroshima. So for reference to Americans in the southern portion of the U.S., it's pretty much like Gainesville, Montgomery, Macon, to all my Midwestern and Pacific Northwest friends. It's like Gurney, Silverdale, Paulsbow, or Des Moines. Um, that said... There's a lot of major differences in Iwakuni to those places. The first major difference is lighting. Iwakuni was very well lit, as in there were next to no places where I could not see or be seen. It felt safer overall, even in the few non-lit places that they had. Uh, when I've gone out in the U.S. before I moved to Japan, I was never really, like, a fan of walking in between buildings down the alleyways. It seemed sketchy to me. I felt like there was an impending sense of danger at the end or in the middle of those alleys. So I never really walked through them. Uh, the next cool thing about Japan was we had konbinis or convenience stores, like I said earlier that were on a whole new level from American convenience stores. So Japan has what I like to call the big three of convenies, Lawson, 7-Eleven, and Family Mart. And not only were they open 24-7, but most of the time they had all the things that you really needed to get through your typical day outside of like, major grocery items like you couldn't get a whole roast kind of thing uh at this point every non-american person or well-traveled person is saying well of course they were and talking about which of the big three of their favorite i feel they all have their place and serve different purposes but i'll break down for you what they really are so 7-eleven off the bat is great for the drinking crowd 
They often have the seasonal chew highs, which is just a drink that you have to have when you visit Japan. You have to get the canned version and the barmaid version. I digress again. Uh, but they often have the seasonal chew highs a little bit earlier than everybody else, as well as just generally having a better selection of alcohol. Uh, next is Lawson's, who I would personally argue has the largest overall selection of different foods that Japan offers, but they don't typically have the rarer or special crazy standout things that appear at some of the other places. Lawson's does, however, have, in my personal opinion, the best spicy chicken. And lastly, there's Family Mart. They specialize in taking your kombini expectations and upping the ante completely. They're vastly superior in 90% of the food that they serve to all the other kombinis. The only thing they really lose in is their variety and how much alcohol they have. And if you're not really looking for those things, that's fine. Because they make up for that by having rare snacks, rare drink selections that are non-alcoholic, including a couple of rare alcoholic drinks. Uh, they also have the most extensive onigiri selection. Onigiri is basically rice balls, which isn't technically the right word because they're little triangles. Uh, however, they're rice balls that are typically filled with a variety of things um, from plum radishes to seafood uh pork chicken sometimes you can just get them regular white or white fried rice uh all of these are really great things that all of these places offer but some of them are more extensive family mart tended to consistently be the best lawson's and 7-eleven were just well more abundant all of these are things that I got to experience on my first day actually out in town without having ever stepped a real foot into Tokyo, Hiroshima, Osaka, and now knowing what I know, that left a lasting bit of culture shock on me that I really never recovered from. Leaving Japan seemed pretty easy, though, at the time for a couple reasons. So we had just been put on some of the strictest restrictions I had experienced in my naval career due to COVID. Uh, I was well past my leave date at that time, which is a whole other story. And truthfully, at that point, I was disillusioned with the idea of being thousands of miles away from my wife just to continue pursuing a career that I felt like was hurting my mental health. Once again, another podcast episode for me um in hindsight it was the greatest change of my life moving back to the u.s not moving to japan though uh outside of losing the stability and uniformity of the military i was losing a lot more i hadn't even thought about in leaving japan i lost clubs that close when patrons want to leave not at a set time Kombinis, Chuhai bars, amazing friends that I ended up leaving behind, both military and Japanese. Uh, special shout out to Megu for showing me the best bar in Hiroshima. If you ever get a chance to go visit Mac Bar, you can see my name up on the wall in there. It's one of the greatest bars I've ever been to in my life, and I've been to a lot of bars. <laughs> um, 
and just shout out to her for being an awesome friend. To top all of that off, I lost the feeling of safety that Japan had provided me. I lost the clean streets that I could walk down and never dirty my shoes. The beautiful mountains landscape that turned into forest and city or beach whenever you wanted to in several hours driving or taking a train. I even lost some of the games that are at Japanese arcades and don't have them here in the U.S. in any form. I even lost secondhand stores. Now, a lot of people just heard that last part and got a little confused. Who cares about secondhand stores, you may be asking? Or did he mean like Goodwill and Red Cross? Well, first things first. Nothing's wrong with going to Goodwill or Red Cross. But American secondhand stores are paltry in comparison to Japanese secondhand stores. So the secondhand stores in Japan, you can find amazing items for significantly cheaper than new. And some of them are brand new, like came out in the last couple of years items. And then some of them are classic things, retro clothes, jewelry, video games, music, books, all of that kind of stuff in amazing condition because they have great respect for their products and their items and their personal belongings out in Japan. Like, show of hands for my video game nerds, obviously metaphorical hands. How many of you have seen an original color PlayStation out of the box? How many of you have seen one in the last five years? Two years. I saw several dozen. How many of you saw the Power Glove for the Famicom in real life? I've seen dozens. That list goes on and on and on on it's really not fair how great their secondhand stores are if you get a chance to go out to japan um don quixote has a great secondhand shop as well as um book off don quixote's secondhand shop is smaller because they're technically like our walmart but they have secondhand video games secondhand clothes things of that like they also call Don Quixote Mega over there sometimes, uh, depending on the size. So another thing that I ended up leaving behind in Japan was something I didn't think I'd end up missing, which is hilarious. We got vending machines wrong, compared to Japan at least. So they have vending machines with hot and cold options. The hot options sometimes even contain soups. Uh, they have seasonal drinks in there too. So if you've never tried lychee or lychee, for those of you who pronounced it the, I guess, original way, uh, they have soda made out of it. and You have to try it. It's one of the most amazing drinks you'll ever get in Japan. And the vending machines are virtually everywhere, even in the rural areas. They're at the, every train station, every konbini, every arcade, apartment complex, housing complex, gas station, and there's more all over the place. You'll find literally vending machines in the strangest places. You'll be walking out of a bathroom or a porta potty in the middle of a field and there'll be a vending machine right next to it. And coming back home, even now as I record, there's not that much 24 hour availability convenience stores anymore. 
Uh, most of the 24-hour stuff we have is mediocre at best. This could just be because they're trying to do too many things and they don't do any of them exceptionally well. And it could also just be because COVID hit. Uh, I wasn't trying to like tongue lash America on what we lack. I just wanted to point out some of the things that shocked me coming back as well as leaving here. I've lived in America my entire life. I've been out of the country technically once to Mexico. I think a second time to Canada. I barely remember if it was actually Canada. Um, it was probably just Northern Washington. But <laughs> uh, seeing all the things that I saw in Japan and other countries that I'd been to as well, but just really Japan, and then having to come back was strange. I really appreciate the privilege I have to have been born here and to continue to live here in America. I respect the sacrifice that those before me made to make it happen and the hardship and trauma that my ancestors endured so that I could be here today. All that just to say, really, I wanted to speak on the shock and realization of coming back versus when I left because readjustment never truly happens. That's how it feels. It's been a year and a half. And I cannot wait to visit Japan again. I can't wait to taste the drinks, the food, and all the other things that they have to offer. Uh, overall, I would recommend Japan to anyone who is super interested in visiting another country outside of America or just their own country. That's going to wrap up today's episode. I appreciate you all for sticking around to the end here. Special shout out to my friend at C-H-I-C-O underscore R-E-D-D-I-N-G at Chico underscore Redding on all socials for making the intro song to my podcast as well as at A underscore L-E-X underscore original at Alex Original on all her socials as well for helping push me into making this podcast and just generally helping me out with ideas and things like that. And she is a brilliant artist. Go check out her stuff. She has amazing paintings for sale, all different sizes. Like you'll really enjoy whatever she has on there. So just a little preview for the next couple episodes. We'll be discussing something a little spicier. Uh, my military career and my take on the military, both my opinions before and after being in. Once again, thanks for landing in the crow's nest with me. And just remember, the greatest crow once said, those who forgive themselves and are able to accept their true nature, they are the strong ones.